0: Hello, my name is Jack Elliot Hobbs and welcome to Unlived Lives, a philosophical YouTube series and podcast in which we explore the lives my guests are not living and why. If you hear any unmotivated sound, it's likely to be my two dogs enjoying life entirely in the present, unaware of any disruption they may be causing. I hope you enjoy listening. in this episode was born as the third of four boys in Glasgow in 1961. During his childhood he spent most of his time in the Cub Scouts swimming or canoeing in the wilds of the Scottish mountains. After studying community education at college he has since worked a wide variety of jobs all over the UK and the world including but not limited to A Curry's shop assistant, ski instructor in Austria, Christmas postman, crewed boats across the Mediterranean and Atlantic, and worked with P&O Cruises and Joint Forces Powerboat Training. He has been married, fathered two sons, divorced, suffered significant loss, severe illness and opioid addiction. Coming out in 1995, he now works with Wandsworth Council and lives with his partner Jonathan in Hertfordshire, where he enjoys the diversity of the city and countryside. Coming out of COVID lockdown, he wishes to spend time getting fitter again, working on his new old Range Rover purchase and visiting friends and family. Bruce Murdoch, welcome to Unlived Lives.
1: Good morning. Good morning, yes, good morning indeed. Tell me about the Range Rover. Oh, yeah. Well, that was interesting, because when you buy things off internet and, and then go, go and see it, um, it's not always what you think. Although, uh, you know, and when it arrived on the Friday night on the back of a lorry in the dark, you think, okay, this is going to be a bit of a challenge. And it is, you know. Um, yeah, I mean, I've... I've uh, well, having sort of driven Range Rovers before and then you open up and you think... Um, this is not quite what you expect, but that's the joys of eBay, I suppose, <laughs> and, and and old cars and what people might have done to them in the past. So yeah, it's the, the, the idea is no, you, you buy cheaper and hopefully it'll just keep going and slowly you put it back together again okay. and enjoy it. Yeah, enjoy yeah. that process. Have you owned one before? Um, no, I, I've, I've I've had old cars, right? Usually they die or fall <laughs> to bits, literally. My so father. the opposite of what you're hoping for with this. Yeah. One. <laughs> so this one is. Um, yeah. Um, even though it's a Range Rover and, the, and and all the eco people will go oh would do you actually pick you know car like that for it no I'm saying well you know it's it's 20 years old so and, and actually all the parts which are coming on a regular basis are, are all recycled. You know, so it's a bit of a recycling project as well but yeah. Oh you know? fantastic. So keeping it going, keeping it chugging along. Yeah, amazing. Were you into cars as a kid? No, we didn't have cars as kids. Right. I think there was, there was a couple of neighbours had cars, right. but they were the exception. You, know, um, you walked, or you had bicycles, um, or, of course, you know, buses. What was you know? your first car? Ah, it was a Ladder, Ladder Riva. A Ladder? Yeah, nice. good old Russian Ladder. Oh, okay. Uh, I'd, been, I'd just got, a, I think, probably my one of my early jobs in London... Uh, and having to work across the whole of South London, which is difficult with no tubes. So I spent, oh, wow. spent the first month, I think I got to you know, Victoria train station a lot. <laughs> I, mean, I could be in and out of it eight or nine times a day. Um, but I was trying to uh, you know, learn to drive and got my test. I think I'd been down in London maybe a month or so mm. and then got a phone call. So, oh, you're, you know, you've got a test. So I come back up to Glasgow. Um, an hour before I was due to do my first test, my, uh, uh, they phoned me up and said, Oh, you're driving instructor's wife or something. Was something in the family has died. Oh, so, he's it's, it's cancelled. Oh. And I said, Oh, well, I'm only here for like a week. You no, know? because they were saying, Oh, you might be a month or so. Said, well, you have to do it this week. So they found me a test like two days later. Nice. Um, and, uh, uh, and, and passed my test. Luckily, my brother in law at the time, Um, It was a mechanic. He bought a car for £150. (laughs) He said, I've got something for you. (laughs) Yeah. Um, And it was, um, well, it was like bile green (laughs) with a tan leather roof or leatherette roof. Oh, wow. Yeah. So we spent, you know, I I took some more time off and I think over the course of probably no no more than 10 days. Yeah. No, because he hadn't been a mechanic. No, we got it running. We painted it black because, you know, that's when I learned to do body work mm. in a week, okay? Put it back together again. And good things were ladders. They come with nuts and bolts. Mm. You know, there was no welding. You know, one bolt, it, put it back together. And, um, and then drove it to London. And that was probably the first time I'd ever been on a motorway, which was <laughs> scary. <laughs> that, what, so, yeah. What did you,
0: if we were to ask the childhood you, what job you wanted to do? <laughs> what would you say?
1: I didn't know, really. Um, you know, my father worked in shipbuilding, uh, and I was my relative, I think I was about 16, and uh, I was on holiday, and uh, I used to phone home once a week, that was the rule, phone home once a week, and, uh, and he said to me, oh, if you want to come back in Monday, there's an interview for to be a... a and uh, apprenticeship or, uh, um, electrician in the shipyards okay do you want to come uh, on holiday it's not in the summertime nice and sunny I'm out canoeing sailing climbing kind yeah. of stuff and I'm going shipyard freezing cold in the winter time making tea And uh, uh, no thank you very much uh, I'll go back to school <laughs> <laughs> and, and that was the conversation right. well, no thank you bye bye um, actually I left school and actually I didn't really know what I wanted to do mm. um so, you I mean, a lot of my friends were going off to uni or college or the set-up. Actually, I didn't know what to do. Um, I didn't want to go to uni at the time. I mean, I'd enjoyed school, but I didn't know what to do.
0: Because um, you were out gallivanting the Scottish Islands. I was, out, Ireland, I was you know? out
1: gallivanting all the time, you know. And, and even, I think even at a very young age, you know, we were allowed to go and do stuff on our own. Yeah. Right? So you could jump on the bus when you were six or seven.
0: Okay.
1: You know, as long as you had the money, on you go.
0: Did you spend much time with your brothers? What you no. no, no,
1: they were into football and athletics. I did a little bit of athletics, but, uh, you know, generally I just not often did my own stuff. No, mm. we did go to cups together. Okay. Um, but no, when you, no, football was a thing. So we even joining the boys were gay joining stuff. If they did a football club, you joined. You no, know? mm. I wasn't into football. Um, they tried to get me into the Boys Brigade at, at church, but I stayed there twenty minutes and then said no, thank you very much, and put my coat on and walked out. <laughs> right, not for me, <laughs> not for me. It was yeah. poor man. I just got home and I'm, oh, how'd you go? on? Oh, no, 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 don't like it. No, and that was okay. And then, were your parents
0: all right with that? No, did they force you into things or did they let you?
1: No, there's there's not much conversation at house. Um. I mean, the Boys Brigade stuff happened because we were at church. Mom, I, I didn't know, I think you're like six or seven. Not. My mother, I think, was a church secretary. Mm. And, uh, and there, was, there was a back corridor between the church and the church hall, and the, the magazines were there. And we, we popped down there to pick up, you know, she distributed some magazines locally. And just so happened, we bumped into the Boys Brigade captain. And all my mother said was, oh, hello, Mr. Dobie. This is Bruce. Uh, what, what what age have you have to join? Whatever age it was, and uh, oh right, oh, you'll come along on Wednesday, right? No, I wasn't asked, wasn't told that. Uh, that's that's not that's how we communicate. Okay, I'm, I'm going to Boys Brigade on Wednesday, which was a bit annoyed me because my uh, our auntie Anne, who was actually my mum's friend, you know, came on a Wednesday. <laughs> oh, okay, <laughs> uh, okay. So I was off. Um, so yeah, popped down to church. So I'm like. Probably seven. Right. You know, and allowed to go out in a, you know, probably a January evening and pouring wet rain, the pitch black, you know, to walk down to church, which is probably like 20 minutes away on my own, mm. right, and then come back. And that's okay. You wow. Know, you know, because that was what, you know, in the you know, mid-60s, it was okay to do that, you know. Um, I mean, I used to go to school. My my brothers were sort of reluctantly told to take me to school on my first day. right although it was only around the corner and you had to cross that dual carriageway. But the rule was, well, you just go down the road, you cross with a lollipop man.
0: Right, back in the day, yeah, of course.
1: And I'm four and a half, you know? wow, Wow. So they I, didn't take you? Well, they did, but, you know, it was like, okay, yeah, yeah, okay. Right. But your but parents just, didn't take you? Oh, no. Nobody, nobody's parents took them. Wow, Okay. I mean, we had there was a girl joined my school, on well, my class when I, was, I think she was about nine or so, and she'd lived in England before. And she was posh, you know, as far as we were concerned. And her mum used to come and you know bring take us to school and, and take us. Pick her to, And she was probably the, she was the only parent that we ever saw. Wow! You no, know, you just went to school yourself. You no, know, you just jumped on buses yourself. Now, if you fell off the back, that was you know, you just got up and on you go. Um, you, you went in the mess. You went. You no, know, you were sent shopping yourself. That's how you got cigarettes. You know, because oh. you would say, "Oh, I'm buying you cigarettes from my mum." So at ten o'clock you were smoking. <laughs> uh, you know, ten <laughs> years old. You're smoking in the bushes with a friend across the road. Um, but yeah, the, the, so there was there was uh, you know you could go and do stuff on your own. Mm. You know, when you were you know when you're very young and you would just trust to do it, and as long as you came home it. The right time. Yeah, I see. No, no. You you were there. I mean, you were thrown out because he had long summer holidays, no 10 weeks. So, you know, we were sort of kicked out of the house at 10 o'clock. So my mother could do the cleaning and do whatever she wanted to do. Mm. Get out and play and come back at lunchtime. Um, on the weekends, yeah. Or just any day, just get out. so like when my, with my brother's going off and playing football, you know, so it's Saturday for me, it was like, oh, okay, what do I do? Mm. So that's when I got into swimming. Right. You know, and so was this the, sort of natural swimming or, or did you y- have yeah, a pool? Well, we'd been on holiday, and so I'm the third son, so you know, I started swimming before the older two. Right. i get two shillings for that, <laughs> <laughs> you No, know, well, okay. So suddenly we were sent off to swimming lessons when we got back, you know, I think I was seven. Um, and we had to go to the next town although there was several swimming pools we could go to um, for some reason my mother chose the one in the next town which we were used to going to Mm. so again no, that was a bus and a bit of a walk Um, and so the three of us were sent off swimming on our own just go to swimming lessons every Tuesday Um, no they stopped um, but I just carried on because I loved it Mm. Um, and so I used to go swimming on the next town on my own for years you know from a Probably like, usually like seven, eight, not every Saturday afternoon. Wow! Off when did went. that stop? I was f- about fourteen. Right. And I mean, I mean, it, it was odd because I even bought myself a, that annual season ticket. Right. For swimming, swimming. I, was going, I was going so much, um, and although the, a session would normally be forty minutes or so, yeah. because I got you know the lifeguards and people and I would come in like well, I'd probably get into the swimming pool like about. 23 mm. on a Saturday. I'm still there at half past five. Did you ever do any
0: competitions or did it ever no, sort of I'd become go, a no, career? No, I didn't
1: want to do it competitively. I mean, they tried to get me into swimming club, but right. I, you know, I don't want to be there at half past six in no the morning. Okay. Um, but I did go, I did join the, um, uh, the life saving, which was on a Tuesday night. Okay. So, so, so you learned so the life you know, bronze medallions, bronze
0: okay. cross. You no, know, when I'm, I was about 12. Did you, any, did you ever do any lifeguarding? Like, yeah. Right.
1: Yeah. Because at those days, there was one lifeguard. Right. On it. So, we'd, so there was, it was all Victorian big swimming pools. So you'd have, you know, um, there was a men's pool, the ladies' pool, and then we'd, there was a little training pool at the back. Um, but even though like, I got to do all the stuff, and I could go all day in summer holidays. I have been the first person in the pool and stayed all day, and then they would feed me. Wow, oh, They would perfect. insist on in me coming out. And, and they'd go up the road to the, the fish and chip shop and like, what do you want? You know, a hamburger supper. And they would like, it's like, you have to sit and eat that. You've not eaten all day, have you? you no, know, okay. But it's like six o'clock at night. I'm mm. going, oh, well, I'm staying, you know, because I've got life-saving class tonight. But I'd been there at 10 o'clock in the morning. Mm. Um, and they just let me. They just let us know. There's probably not, there's a few of us, you know. And that just, you know, I, mean, I could swim two miles at the time. It's 144 lengths. Bloody hell. Um. And that was, that was fine. That, that was my swimming, really. And of course I had my cubs and stuff during the week. Um, you know, we didn't get much homework really, but you know, you just sort of kept yourself away. But that was like Saturday afternoons, we just swim, swim, swim. Yeah. You know, do a bit of life saving. Um, you know, have, even at that young age, you know, um, you know, you would, you know, I'd, I'd pulled people out, you know, because I'd be swimming around. Because mm. Tuesday nights, was, was Tuesday and Thursday nights were busy. Um, I know, I and somebody gets cramped and you just happen to be swimming around and you just notice them on oh, mm. just nab them, pull them, out them. Out and just shout, right. shout across <laughs> 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 oh, excuse me can you pull these people out please yeah yeah okay carry yeah. on um, it, and it was just you didn't sort of think anything it was just anything big you just did it because mm. you know? it happened to you at some point you know, right. you're swimming along in the middle of this huge big pool and suddenly you get cramped you're like oh god shit I've got to get out mm. Um and it's interesting, cause even because I, I, I love from Scotland, no, I, I don't like the cold and, I, and, and like, my body doesn't like the cold. I, I get cold really fast. Oh, wow, okay. No, like so, so much so that um, no, I can't get out of the pool. Because wow. like, if the water is that cold and just somebody just goes, oh, I don't like this. Um, and actually so just, uh, you know, climbing up the stairs, I just couldn't get out. You know, so. um, and they have jumped, you know, people have jumped into me even when I was, I think the first time somebody jumped in for me, um, I'd, I I couldn't swim at the point. Jumped in the deep, the sort of the shallow end, mm. three foot six, and I was I was a little bloke yeah. um, with a rubber ring. Trouble is, I'd let go of the rubber ring. You end up the water, and the rubber rings around your ankles, oh. and you're upside down and you're
0: oh, thrashing you around. Can't move. I can't move. Oh wow! And
1: I always remember like looking up and seeing the <laughs> seeing the lady who was the, the lifeguard at the time. And, uh, and I knew that it was her time to go home. All right. And she, was, she changed her clothes even. You know, so she, but anyway, she jumped in, big right. And then, of course, she had a whinge. Um, not only did she you know, get all of her going home clothes wet, but she had her cigarettes in her pocket, and I think that was more important for her. <laughs> <laughs> but no, and there was a couple other times, like during the lessons, that, you know, I'd jump in, even jump in at the deep end, um, which was part of what we did, and let the rubber ring like it's not slip, I'm um, seriously, you're supposed to hold on to it mm. of course, but I don't know, and jumping in, I'd let go and it ends up around your ankles. Mm. And it's actually, it's better for you to kick it off mm. and and swim a bit and cause of course the lifeguards there and your lifeguard was in the water at the time and you're supposed to swim to him. But yeah, that happened to me two or three times, mm. but it's so where you learn, you know? Um, uh. But never put me off water, mm. you know? Even later, I think I started kayaking at school when I was about fourteen as well. So even like being upside in boats and getting stuck, and you know the potential is there, but it never scared me.
0: Mm. You
1: not know, being in water, you know, as long as it wasn't too cold. You know, so yeah, we've had some you not know, interesting times in water. Did
0: you ever want to work in water in some way?
1: I think I you know I've had sort of various thoughts about you know, you know offer of going to work in a shipyard. You know, mm. but you know, I'd like being in a boats. Um i have mean, been to ship launches, um I did sort of think about you know with the likes of you know in navy or um or or, or even just like merchant navy
0: mm.
1: uh, but I did think about that much later in life. I was like, oh, maybe I know no, I could have gone and done something like that because I would have enjoyed it
0: mm. sort of thirties or.
1: Yeah, so well, see in Glasgow there was like there's there's a, a nautical college in Glasgow, right? Which teaches you know people you know, seamanship and and, and uh, you know all this stuff. And it's still there. And actually, I did go back when I was working with P and O um, in the mid '90s. And part of the, what I had to do was I had to go and do a sea survival course, right? And although I was working in Southampton, I was based in Southampton. Actually, they sent me back to Glasgow. Glasgow Nautical College. I think it was, it was about timing because we were due to go on a ship, um, out, and it was all about you know where can I go and do the course because you need it's, it's like it's part of your passport. You, know, you need a you need a um, a special uh, health check which I had to go to Liverpool for, um, and then I had to go up to Glasgow to, to do my sea survival course.
0: What did you have to do uh, for P&O? What what was your job with P&O? How did it feel? Um, my,
1: my first bit was p and and this was. Um, it was a winter job because i used to um i think at that time mid 90s um, i was working with out of a brown trust anyway between sort of eight and ten months in the mm. uk work, mainly working without a brown trust and then do something else in the winter time mm. so this was um technically it was called children's hostess okay right? that was was on my door <laughs> okay uh, um that's what it was, it was printed on my door chili no, we used to call it this chili hall so basically i was not um th- 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 no on activities for children on the ship mm. and there was more and more children going on the ship um but that was everything from babies so you had a nursery in the evening wow in the in the uh it was set out like a little hostel it was actually the old morgue um but they did move the morgue further down in the ship at the at, at the time uh so it was like the, the the canberra uh, mm. and we saw, you know, saw a big white ship um so everything about, but, you know, lots of, lots of under fives, which, you know, wasn't my thing, really. Um, and then some of older ones, you know, you have to keep them occupied, you know, while their you know, parents you know, enjoy the ship or, or, or go off. Um, so it was, it was quite difficult. I didn't really particularly like it. Right. I think I lasted about six weeks and we just decided, not the job for me. Right. But, you know, I didn't particularly like the job, um, but I also... Didn't particularly like some of the culture on uh, on work, working at sea. And okay. on that. Um, what was it like uh, for me? It was quite racist. Wow. Okay. Um, and we'd been told because and it's, and it's still the way and it's quite common in in merchant shipping mm. that you know, different people from different countries do different jobs. Mm. You know, it will be the Chinese down the laundry. You no, know, another right. ship. You know, uh, you know the 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 waitresses were for Filipino. and... Um, kitchen staff and and all the restaurant staff were indian you know? um, and and some of its historic if we p and all recruited people from you know you know around the, from, world. Around the world to yeah. do different jobs i mean they still have a uh, you know a recruitment uh, place in calcutta mm. you know so and and people will hand jobs down from father to son mother to, you know, to um, you know to daughter um and because they're getting paid much more than they would be back in their own countries um and i, I just did not like that
0: now, you have had uh, lots of different jobs from from what you've told me. Who's the best boss you've ever
1: had? Ah. Best boss. Interestingly, um, just after I got married and I was still at... I was still doing my course in Glasgow at uni and... Uh, I did some I started doing some sort of summer work mm. on a uh, on an estate and the boss was uh he just he was just a retired colonel at the MOD. Um and uh, he was a he was a copper basically. Mm. Um and you know and and you'd you sort of your your typical you know senior officer mm. type. Um I mean, travelled around the world done all sorts of things, you know, very intelligent, you know, studied law, but, you know, basically was a copper. Um, and here's me, you know, quite, you know, quite cheeky. Um, you know, used to doing just whatever I wanted, but we two of us, we got jobs as, I can't remember, it was quite a long title, assistant temporary, was it assistant temporary warden? Um, so it was basically sort of running sort of a campsite for the summertime Um, there's cadets Cubs Scouts. well well, it was was a scout site but but there's lots of other people could come and use it so any sort of community organisation could come and use it Mm. so it was was quite busy can you remember his name? Jack Jack and it's a good name but it was yeah (laughs) Uh, but we had to like keep him in we found that he was very good at organising things Mm. very good with paperwork that's fine Keep him in the office, um, and let uh, the other guy, George, and I, like, you know, go and do this stuff outside. So, and and basically, I mean, they statement at the time was uh, I think it was a, uh, it was losing money about ten grand a year. And Jackie, me told basically, you no, know, can you get this to break even? Um, I think he was given like a couple of years to do that. Well, actually, in their first summer, we we did it, you know, um, by just you know, you know, you get money not just by camp feeds but by running activities and that's what you know you were as, doing as we were doing running yeah. activities we think okay what have we got look well, okay there's there's you're sort of you know, shooting and archery and we think mm. okay what can we do you know and just looking around the site which is about you know, 125 acres mm. what can we do that we can do an activity that you know will bring money in and i'll get the shop. Better organised. Um, that was um, his, his wife, uh, Norma. That was her responsibility of running the shop. But you know, obviously, we helped mm. as well as keeping the site you know, functioning. You know, buildings going, and um, looking after them, um, you know, you know, and just sort of you know, the maintenance of these states as well. Mm. Um, you know, I mean, I had learnt really to. Uh, I, I wasn't driving cars at the time because uh, I'd, 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 I'd learned to drive on a tractor. Um, on on an airfield, a um, mm. couple of years before. Uh, so so we got to drive tractors and not trailers, um, you know working with machines. And uh, there was you know, and we were sort of left. There was a sort of a respect of Jack. This is what you're good at. If we want some, if we want some muscle, because he was big, mm. uh, then we'll call on you. But mm. just leave us to do the stuff outside. Right. Uh, we'll do all, go and do all the mucky stuff. We'll work with the kids. And, you know, and, and, and organise things out there. Um, you know, I mean, it was 12-hour days, you know. So I did one summer, went back to college, you No, know, between getting married as well. Um, and then it, when I'd finished the course, I, I I think I'd done some work at Easter, and I said to him, oh, can I come back? And he said, oh, do you don't want to go and do a proper job? I said, oh, I don't know what I want to go and do. Um, he said, but you're, you're married. are I yeah, I know, but, you know, so... Um, I went back, okay. supposedly just for the summer, and stayed with um, a little flat above the office, um, and, and basically like he and I sort of ran the estate over the winter time. Okay, like doing all the maintenance and working with you know, the, the, the local uh, local businessmen, um, you know, local farmers. You know, um, you no, know, you would. You know, uh, I mean, town was six miles away. Um. To and, and you could get stuck. Actually, we did get stuck in mm. the snow. Mm. Um. You know, and, and you just sort of you know get to know people locally, mm. um, who help out and and you help them out. Um. I, I quite liked isolation, but I think there was a sort of a mutual respect for each other. You know, and what we could do. You know, and what well, he was good at, and what I was good at. Um. And yes. Get to know the neighbours. So what was it about Jack that made you I think it's that sort of recognition of actually you not know, uh i'll accept what you're good at no you know what you're good at mm. uh and and that sort of you not know, just given responsibility and just being like to go into yeah we, we get told off for you know driving tractor's too fast or screeching the tires whatever mm. you know but you no know, there was that sort of healthy respect of um although he was very much the boss you know there was still the there was still the colonel in them mm. uh, that was still there um you no know, and there's sort of that recognition of that you're, you know you're doing 12 hour days um and I think we were, I think we were supposed to work six days a week. I think that was our contract. And although we'd sneak time off in the winter, um, you know, so, so you, it was just some mutual respect for each other. It sounds
0: it, like you were you were running free quite a lot as a kid, and you were sort yeah. of you know without necessarily your parents' um, direct hand. So so Jack sort of did he was he the first person to give you sort of responsibility?
1: Um. Well I had sort of worked before then, um a number of years before. Um I did have a job in a bank before. Um that was t- straight after I left school, um yeah, no seventy nine. Um got worked in the Bank of Scotland and hmm. um, for about two years, maybe a year and a half.
0: But I'm assuming you didn't get the same respect that you got well, from Jack in a bank.
1: No, no, you're still the junior. <laughs> yeah. You've know, you still got the shitty jobs to do. You're still sent out for the tea and this and no. you know, um, but you you, know, you still have a million pounds stuck in the drawers when you're working on the estate. And we didn't have radios you know, or you know, mobile phones, you're not and you're not, you were not know, I remember like one day I was I was on the far far end of the of the estate with a tractor and it was just about dusk and I was probably driving somewhere, I shouldn't, but anyway. Um, and I went to turn and noticed that the front wheel was literally falling off. <laughs> oh, shit. Um, and it was actually, it was a pin that was broken on, on between the front axle and the front wheel. Um, I'm thinking, shit, it's like four o'clock and I know it's going to be dark in half an hour. Mm. Uh, and it's uh well... No, if you run, you know, it's probably 10 minutes back to the office. Right. <laughs> Grab what tools you need um, and get back and, and try to do this. And, and try to pretend that nothing's happened. Because mm. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'm probably in somewhere in the, uh, that I shouldn't be uh, with a tractor. Uh, try and fix it and get back and just look, oh, I'm, 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 that one's all right. Um, and that's what you do. Um and, and that's okay. You know, mm. and but that's sort of a sense of responsibility and and, and, and we did have a rule on the estate, that if you bugger it up, then you have to fix it. Right. It's your job to fix it. Right. Right. Um if you don't know, then learn. Mm. Right? Um and so yeah, so I learned all about plumbing. Mm. It was very we, we got very good at you know working with the um with the local councilman who, you know, unblock our sewers. Okay. Right. Got to know that. Um, you know, working, we were doing some building work at the time, or, or we had builders in, you know, and I remember, like, you know, walking into this uh, old, it was a toilet shower block, and uh, the, the plumber was hanging up, uh, you know, sort of big stainless steel urinal, and I was looking at, it, I was saying, why are you putting it that height? Because uh, that's I said, that's a great height for kids to climb up on and look out the windows. Mm. <laughs> he said, well, oh, and he explained why, and, uh, you know, so we chatted about, I, I was saying to them, actually, I've got to look at this building from a practical sense of, uh, you know, when you walk away, like, I'm the person that's going to be you know, clearing it up. Mm. And, not, and, and if things break, I need to know how to, how to fix it. So they took me in the back, you know, for all, all the piping and all the stuff you don't see, and, and they taught me how to do it. And they said, well, this, this is how we make it. And so when it breaks, which it probably will, um, then you know how to fix it. Mm. So it was, you know, it was one of these jobs that I really loved, um, but no, having just got married a year ago and a baby on the way, we decided, oh, you know, getting told mm. actually we have to you have to look for another job and go and earn real money mm. um, and then move to London. So that was a bit of a bit of a scary thing, you know. Yes. Yeah, sure. Going from going from you know, rural life to being thrown into the realms of South London.
0: Is is there anyone you regret losing touch with?
1: Um oh. There's probably lots of folk actually, because that was part of the that was part of the downside of moving around the country a lot. Mm. Um, that you know, it was, it was so easy sort of to you not know, just to lose touch with people sort of life moved on quite quickly. Um, so it's probably sort of lots of people along the way. Yeah, you know, that I've sort of lost touch with. Does anyone um, spring to mind? Um was uh, there was a chap called Darren who. I met when I was doing. Uh, yeah, I was living in Surrey at the time, um, running sort of, a, sort of a sort of a youth hostel type place. Um, and for some reason, I decided. Oh, although oh, oh, no, you uh, know, the landscape in Surrey is quite gentle. We were on the South Downs, um, mm. but actually, I wanted to, to do my mountain leadership course, mm. you know, because uh, sort of to build on what I'd done as sort of a teenager in Scotland. And just through the council at the time, I just noticed there was this course. Yeah, I could go, so, how's this? Oh, can I go and do this course, please? You know, um, which meant that I had to escape from working a bit early on a Friday. And that's where I met Darren. And Darren and I just sort of buddied up and, and did our course together, um, which was mainly in, in Wales. Um, and he worked, he worked in London with a, um, a, I think it was the Hong Kong Shanghai Bank, which is now part of the Royal Bank of Scotland. Um, and he said, Oh, my dad got me into this. You no, know, he was a stockbroker. Kind of, and he said, Oh, I hate it. You no, know, he said, oh, I love what you do. You know, I with your kids all the time, take them out and enjoying yourself. Um, how do I do it? And we had a chat and I, I gave him some sort of leads. And he ended up working with the Outer Bound uh, uh, School in Wales
0: hmm.
1: at Upper which was the, the very first school. I went to visit him. Um, I think he'd been there a year. And I went to visit him, um, and I'd just stopped working in Surrey at the time. And he said, and he just said to me, oh, just so happened that morning when I met him. He said, oh, my boss has just resigned. Mm. Go and talk to him. And I had a chat with him. Anyway, I had an interview. Didn't get the job uh, for that manager, post, But I said to them, oh, I'd love to come back with you. I think it was, this was about September. And I actually ended up back working with the bound trust in, I think, the following February. Which was... Eight, gone, that's early on in their season, and hmm. um, um, and then so sort of, you know, I was there for on and off for sort of you know, the next sort of three or four years. Um, but after sort of I left, sort of you know I lost touch with Darren. You know, although we we didn't we were in the same place together, but we did sort of different types of courses. But yeah, I think you know he sort of sort of sloped off somewhere. I think we sort of and that would have been one of the ones that I'd sort of like to have kept touch with. Right. Yeah. What did you like about him? And we just got on so easily. You know, I think we had to sort of the, yeah, you know, we want uh, sort of the same determination of we want to get things done. Mm. But no, we're still cheeky enough. Um, yeah, to
0: enjoy it along the to way. To enjoy
1: that. I mean, we were when we were doing. Our, 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 I think we were doing our exam, and um, and that was in the Lake District, um, and we'd done this before. Uh, that, you know, you you've got a route to go, you not know, through the mountains. and The weather was appalling. Um, it didn't help the fact we'd slept in in the morning because we should have been the first team away and we actually we were the last we actually woke <laughs> up and there was nobody else there <laughs> um, like, oh okay I mean okay we knew where we wanted uh, we needed to go and usually what would happen is the you know, the examiners would just casually it just <coughs> seems well come down and bump into you mm. and go hello oh, hello how are you Jack You know, <laughs> how are you getting on what have you been doing or tell us about your navigation or whatever and they might give you a test to do mm. like oh, let's go and just do a, bit, a little abseiling over here, mm. or just do a little sort of first aid thing over here. Now what happened, so happened to, that happened to us, and uh, and and somebody said, to, we'd bumped into somebody, um, they'd been with us for an hour, and they, and they said to us, oh, we need to do the abseiling bit. You know, And this is abseiling, so you've got, so you're only using ropes, you're not using any other equipment, you know, so it's, it's, uh, and you're supposed to know how to do it. Mm. And because it's not a rock climbing course, right? So it's, it's, it's just a safety thing. Now, it was pouring with of rain and we were a bit miserable. And we just said, oh, we did it with so-and-so yesterday. Yeah. You know? And we just knew our, both to ourselves, well, you know, we've got away with this before, so let's try it again. Now, they could have said, actually, we, we know you didn't, you know. But somehow they believed us and normally went... And uh, there was a couple of times we did this. and and Dan and I were just like it just like so easily we just like settled this thing you know, and that was and that was that um you know we i think in the same same weekend we were camping, and they you know, they'll come round and and they want to know what you've been eating or how you're cooking so, you know and looking after and um. The chap sort of stuck his head in the door of our little tent. He said, how are you doing? What have you had to eat? And we said, well, we've had uh, not real potatoes, steak and veg and whatever pudding we had, you know, and would you like a glass of wine? <laughs> we sort of looked at us and said, because usually we'd get all like dried food and dehydrated mm-hmm. crazy stuff because it's much lighter. And we went, what, you've carried all this stuff? And we went, yeah. Said, well, like, we're going to be in this tent for however many hours, like you no know, overnight because it's you not know, time of year it is, you know. So we're quite happy to carry all this stuff because we're not eating crap, dehydrated, mm. smelly food, you know? you know. and would you like a glass of wine, please? You know, and, and 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 we would, and, and that was we would just like agree that's what we're going to do, mm. you know. So we, we, he was. I think you know, Dan had the same attitude as me. He's like, you no, know, it's okay to do unconventional stuff and get away and see if you can get away with it. Right. Right. And, uh, and just carry on. Um, you know, we're not putting anybody in danger. Mm. We don't think maybe just ourselves. Um, you know, you might say, oh, we're cheating. Well, yeah, but you know, you get away with it. You no, know. and actually, you know, somebody could quite easily say to us, no, it's, it's not difficult to check off. We've, we've done absolutely the day before. You just ask your other instructors for God's sake, you know, you know, and if you want us to do it, you know, we'll do it. Um, because, you know, we we knew what we were doing, hmm. you know. Um, I, I, no, I think we we, we both had self, no, a lot of experience before. I mean, I think the difference was that, you know, I'd been working with young people for years before Dan hadn't had that experience. Um, but actually, you know, he, he, I think he, he went and did um, sports science afterwards um, and got into it, but he liked it. You know, he, he was quite natural at doing it. And I think you know, so. And we saw sort of, we, we both. I think we saw sort of both found our niche of what we like to do. And I think it was something that I wanted to do when I was younger, but I just didn't know how to get into it.
0: Mm.
1: I mean, the, the job that we were doing in Surrey, we just like running a tiger. It was a, a place. It was an old Victorian school where, like, you no know, schools would come every week and, and you do the thing with them. And um, you know, you'd take them around. You know, the primary schools you take around all all the historic stuff. You don't go pond dipping or whatever, all that kind of stuff. But the older ones. No, I would take around to do some more physical activity stuff. You know, you know everything from playing golf, horse riding. You know, with, with a bit of archery, but even just simple things like, you know, taking them into. We, we we were on the edge of a woodland, but just taking people out, um, their first night because we knew they wouldn't go to sleep anyway. We always took everybody out the first night, and and walked up through their woods, and and that was that was really good. And it's it's. It was interesting seeing your individuals develop, because they would open up to you, mm. you know, they would open up about what their problems were, their issues were. When I used to sort of work with some of the, uh, the other instructors who were coming on board and doing their induction, I said, "Look, it doesn't really matter what it is. It doesn't matter the activity that you're doing, you know, whether it's adults or young people. It's about what you, you have to have in mind. What is it you're trying to get them to learn?" Mm. Um, now, if it's, you no, know, you're trying to get them to them, well, if you fart around and it takes you forever and, and you have something, you know, you have that you know, that nice thing at the end, like you can have time off, you, know, you go and do your washing or whatever it is, or, you know, you will go for a swim. Um, so if that sort of carrot's there at the end, it's got to be genuine, mm. right? And it's got to be something that they, they do really want. So then you say, well, you know, you just decide what the task is, you know, whatever's available. It doesn't really matter. Um, you know, but as long as it's written, now if that takes, them, say, you know, five minutes or two hours or all day, then hopefully they'll learn, because you can chat about it afterwards. Now, why did it take you so long? Because hmm. well, everybody be was farting around. And blah. We wrote a book uh, for the instructors and, you know, and, and we called it, you know, when the minibus was late. And... Um, because you no, know, we've got lots of groups, you know, from the centre scattered around the place, you know, and there's many buses going up and picking people up and dropping them off all over the place. I mean, it was one of the nice jobs you got to do sometimes. Um, but invariably, you know, at some point the the bus will be late. Or in my case, a couple of times you missed the bus because <laughs> you were late. And what do you do? Right? What do you do with lightning like, when you have got like you know, a dozen twelve year olds? Right? And you've got to keep them entertained and you've only got the stuff that's on your back or in your pockets, you know, and, you know, you just have to make it up. So as as an instructor, I think it goes back to that, what you're saying about me being a youngster, you know, you're on your own Mm. um, and you you have to learn what to do. And what I'm trying to get them to do is actually be responsible for themselves as well. Mm. At the same time, you can push them as much as you want, as long as you're comfortable. Mm. You know, don't be out of your depth, you
0: know. What plausible government action would make you leave the country?
1: Oh, gosh, leave the country because you're a you're a council man now, aren't you? Yeah, yeah, good old politics. If legislation was different about being gay, that might might sort of push me somewhere else. I think we're very fortunate in this country that nowadays it's much, it's not always easy, but it's much easier to live as this, this openly gay person. Mm. Um you know, we have, we at home we have discussions about going on holidays to various countries and, mm. and they say, oh, I'd go there. And John goes, no, no, we can't go there. We're not going to go there. Mm. Right? Um, because it's difficult. I mean, I, I didn't come back to us of mid-30s which was a big step, because you're never quite sure how people are going to react. Sure. I mean, I don't have any regrets of not doing it earlier. Um, well, there's been I mean, some regrets about not doing it earlier, but you know, I, mean, I was married and i got two kids from from that, which you know, um, I've never turned my back, and I haven't never turned my back on them. But for other people, uh, you know, in many countries still around the world, that's not possible. Hmm. You know, I think you not. Know, sometimes in this country, or you know, certainly in, certainly in the eighties, you know, when some of the legislation was quite you know, was was going that way. Did
0: people react in the way you'd feared, or was it different? How different was their reaction to what you thought might happen?
1: I think it's a case of you don't know how people are going to react to it, you know, and you hope. I mean, you, you, you hope that um, people re- react positively to it, um, but there's always that fear you're not. because once you've once you've said to someone, even if you say, "Oh, please don't tell anybody," mm. you've told them the cat's out of the bag, and you can't you can't stop people then telling. Trying to control your own what you think your own story becomes impossible. You know, And, and because or, the way society is, and there's lots of stuff, mixed feelings about it, um, you know, that, that's this where scariness comes in. In I, I, one of my jobs I, I was a diversity manager for a big national youth organization. I used to get phone calls all the time or through a switchboard, because um, I decided that I was going to be open about my sexuality. Even though people would get mixed up, because you know, I would say, "Oh, you know, I'm divorced and got two kids," and so instantly people say, "Oh, you're straight." You know, oh, no, no. Um, and I've got, "Oh, no, not," and that throws people. Um, you know, so I felt, you "No, know, if, I'm, if I'm diversity manager at national level, then no, not, if I'm not out, then n- nobody else." Is, so I'd took to the view, "I'm going to be out um, about it." And and that sort of I think you know, people would phone us, switchboard. And I would get phone calls on a I wouldn't say a daily basis, but certainly not on a weekly basis. that you know, people were having problems, you know, uh, you know as, as volunteers within an organisation, saying I don't know what to do, you know, or I've got this problem, um, I'm getting, I'm being thrown out, I'm being stopped next. Um, I would get even people's wives would phone me up and say, oh. Last night, my my husband said he was transvestite, and he's going. He wants to go to a scout meeting dressed up. What do you do? <laughs> we had those conversations, you know. Um, but you know everything from you know, you know, what well, boys at the time? We lot of boys and girls on scouts now. You know, or boys. The- or some boys made a pass at another boy, and they're thirteen. What do we do? Mm. You know, um, and I remember we. Uh, there was myself and uh, one of my colleagues, um, and, a, and a volunteer who came. Who originally came to us with an issue, and we sat in a pub in Soho, uh, and we said, "What do we do? know, no, nationally, the 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 office is not doing anything. What do we do?" And at the time, we used to have lots and lots of fact sheets. always fact sheets about everything. So it was okay. Like, okay, we've got a equal opportunities policy, which we've had for about fifteen years. Then we have to do something. You know, and and we, and we just sat there and wrote. Not a couple of fact sheets. No, no. It's, it's, it's okay to be It was okay to be a scouting out. Hmm. You yeah. um, or you know, I think it was. It was okay to be scouting gay. We just we just made it really simple. We said like it's okay. It's an okay thing to be. Hmm. Um. And and, and slowly they just sort of you no know, chip away, but it, it was useful that there was a few people who were prepared to stick their head above the parapet, and because when when people used to have problems and would phone and I would say to them, Okay, you know, because now of the position I was in, I said, like, if somebody's behaved badly to you, if you want me to do anything about it, then that means that you've got to stick your head above the parapet. You know, if I challenge someone in your local area or or or, or, or to do something because you no, know, you've been treated wrongly, then that means I'm outing you. What do you want to do? <laughs> and for some people, that's really difficult. Mm. Now, if you were maybe in a group that maybe met in a church, like, you no, know, so the group uses the church hall, and you come out as gay, and then the minister says, "No, you know, you can't be a leader in this group." Although, you know, by all the rules of the organisation, you can be. Mm. And I said, well, I'm going to, you know, we can challenge that, you know. And then so oh, but then if you challenge that, then it starts, you know, it, it comes out of people's control. And that, for some people, was, was very difficult. You know, and there's still one or two people now who who still contact me, you know, and tell me about the story and how they're progressing and whatever, um, you know, just by that sort of having that support around about them, you mm-hmm. know a you know, question about you know, if if law changed you no, know, i think for many people you no, know, life would become very very difficult you know you know where we' have got to now in the u k and on those issues you now is is you know, far more liberal than many other places around the world you know, so we're, you know, to some extent we're quite lucky in, in that respect um not to say it's perfect um and you know, all the sort of you know current issues about trans people, you know, it's going through, you know, and I'm sure there'll be sort of more issues going through, but those those issues are still there, um, you know, and it's, it's sort of very ingrained with people, some of those attitudes, and when you get a country like ours, which is quite multicultural, um, but even sort of generationally, you know, there's differences. um, you know, When I came out, you know, and I was... Living the majority of time in Wales in a little village and i'm going oh i'm a little i'm I'm the only gay in the village <laughs> and that was one of the excuses of or one of the reasons now I, I decided to say oh i'm going okay I, I need, I'm going to leave this type of career and come back cause, and, and come back and to live in, you know, in in a city um because no, actually if you're only gay in the village you're not going to get any sex quite quite to be quite <laughs> honest. You know, <laughs> you think? oh, okay, like, you know, there's, there's, uh, but no, I, I, when I came out, I'd actually, I remember like, uh, a few days after I'd came out to, uh, one of my colleagues, the, the chap who used to live upstairs to me, um, we were down in the middle of the village at the, at the water centre where he, he worked. And I remember that he was a sort of big farmer type and he'd come charging down the stairs to me and i go, oh, well done, well done. And I'm going, I'm thinking to myself, well done about what? <laughs> now, you're probably the straightest guy I ever knew. You know? um, but, you know, obviously, you know, rumours got around and that was fine. Uh, at the time, I decided, and you know, I said to people, like, I have to tell Dan. You know, I have to. And uh, and uh, we, were, we were, I think we were, at lunch one day and I just and I said I need to talk to you outside and I said mm, and I told Dan and, I, and he said to me so were you looking at my willy when we were in the shower? <laughs> <laughs> That's what he was concerned about and like, um, yeah, well I might have done but uh, mm, mm, that was okay mm, <laughs> never no, no, no made a pass at you mm. yeah so it's interesting people's you know, people's reaction to it and, and people's reaction to you when you came out um no, no I I was fortunate that you know my experience was although I was really worried about it it was, was very positive and mm. um, but no I know equally that not other people's. no it's, it's very difficult to do that
0: how was the um how were your boys because your boys
1: I guess no one knew, you know well they were very young when i told them i think they were about 8 and 11 when i told them Sitting in Tesco's restaurant having chips and going, oh, by the way, oh, yeah, you know, and they, they just went, ah, oh, okay, and carry on, not a problem. And then, like, and over the years, you know, um I mean, although they lived with their mum, and that was they lived with their mother in Glasgow, and I was sort of dashing around different parts of the UK or, or abroad. You no, know, I started to sort of settle down and have relationships. You no, know, they would meet that person, and it, wasn't, it was never an issue. Mm. You know, they got very close to many of them. Um, I mean, I, I, uh, I've been seeing a chap, Bren, for about six months and, and you know, very suddenly he passed away. Um, and I phoned him up and said, you know, they'd met Bren, um just a few months earlier. Um, but out of the blue, you know, they just, you know, of their own vocation, just flew down because they wanted to be with me. Mm. And that was really touching. Um, I mean, I think I'd only really been with Ben for about six months or so. But no, because they'd met him, you know, and, they'd, and they they just thought, no, you know, this is dad and this is, this is part of his life. So actually it's never been an issue, you mm. um, know, no, to them at all. I mean, what they are being told, you know, at the other end with their mother, I don't I have no idea. You um, know, I mean, it was interesting because sometimes I would go up to Glasgow and, you know, and see them over the weekend you know, and, and part of their life when they were young was that uh, we, would, we would go to, you know, we'd go to Mass, we'd go to, you know, Sunday Mass in a good old Catholic church. One of the priests, I uh, had been ill for a long time, so one of the retired priests, you know, good old Irish, you not know, not Helen Brimstone type, you know, every, I think every time I was there, you know, you know, I'd be going about, you know, not how bad, you know, being gay was. You know? And eventually, I remember like, my oldest son, Graham, eventually just saying, no, I don't want to go to Mass.
0: Hmm.
1: Because what he was hearing about about me, you know, uh, you know and what his experience of as someone has been gay was two different things. And, hmm. and he just said, no, I don't like what they're saying. Sure. Well, that's... Um, yeah. So they, they just made their own decision about that. So that's sort of lived experience that they were having with me, their dad, and to put that into context. So if, if about ten percent of the population is gay, then the research at the time was saying that only about ten percent of of gay men had were parents. Wow. Yeah. Um, so I always took the view that you know, you know, I was in a lucky position. Mm. Because um, although we, we, I split up from my wife you know, when, they, when the boys were very young, you know, I decided that, you know, regardless of the relationship between my wife and I, you know, that I wanted to continue the relationship with them as, as much as I could. Although it was difficult because I was travelling around, you not know, moving house, you know, um, living in tents, you know has been my house and you know, but you no know, he's had to work at it, you know. And you think, okay, let like, them by the time they get to eighteen or so, that you no, know, they can decide what they want to do, mm. if they want anything to do with me or not. Um, you know, and you can't you know, I couldn't get to them in all the cases that you no, know, I wanted to. So you know, I missed all the you know, the school plays and things like that. I said, Oh, I'll try and get there if I want to, if or if I can. You know, um, and that became that, that was difficult for them. Because they would say, "Oh, no, Daddy, Daddy can't come," mm. or "No, Daddy didn't come to this," and that that became a problem with them, with one of the boys when they're sort of you know, in sort of primary school." Um, but you no, know, you go over those, um, and now sort of in a relationship with them. You no, know, they're now in the sort of the mid thirties, and you no, know, we're, we're close. I mean, they're still they're back in Glasgow now, you no, know, um, but you no, know, we still chat, and we still go on holidays, and you no, know, and and they want to they want to have that relationship. Mm. But it's important, because mm. I can say like, I would like to, but you know, if it's not coming the other way, you can't do anything about it. Sure. You know? If you had to write a book,
0: what would it be about?
1: Life can be shit <laughs> and often quite is for many people. But, you know, you, you can get over those problems um, in various ways. And, and and that doesn't always have to be about having material things. And I say that with sort of the other bit that you might I might write about is just being outside and, and sort of you not. Know, we've we've got this like right this this huge world that we live in and actually we can learn it's been around longer than we have, you know. It it has its problems, you know, but it adapts. Um but there's a lot of beauty in it. I remember um I was I was in uh, this area in, uh, in Wales called the, the Glitters, um, and I was out there with a group. And I woke up one I woke up really early one morning in the summertime, and it was just so beautiful. I just thought, oh, you know, actually, if this was heaven, I'd be quite happy. I used to travel a lot on my own. know, uh, people, go, oh, that's dangerous stuff. And go, yeah, dangerous and things not things happen. But actually, to be in the middle of nowhere, no, where well, it's the top of the mountain, or just sitting, or sitting by a little stream somewhere, we used to live... Uh, our house was getting rebuilt, and we, we'd, 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 we'd moved to um, another flat a couple of miles away. Um, but down the back of these flats was this big hill and little sort of open woodlands. And I used to love just going sitting down there and just sitting in the woods. And if you look on the ground, there's lots of little beetles and things and and, and you can learn lots about it. You know, actually, what's underneath your feet um, and what's there and and, and just watch things. Um, I actually love doing that. You know? And it didn't cost anything. The only thing that it costs you is you know, a bit of time and a bit of attention. Sometimes those things that actually we can learn a lot from are actually quite simple things. You know, you no, know, we don't need sort of the big you not know, plasma TVs or you know the fancy watches or, or whatever. Um and which so many people, you know, strive for. And and maybe that's because I you know, I was brought up at a time you know, when I was young, actually when you know, a lot of people just didn't have much money. There wasn't all this technology around you know, and we still survived. You le- you learnt quite at quite young age that actually you had you had some responsibility for yourself. Even if that's just crossing the road. There is danger, no doubt, you know. Yes, I've fallen and broken bones and things and I used to have the whole summer of falling off of boats at one time. Um, but no, we survive those things, you know, those sort of little crises that we have, you know. Um, you know unless you get killed, then you don't care after that. Um, but, you know, <laughs> you know, there's, there's, no, life's full of little crises, you know, you know, I don't think you can sort of live life with, without them. Mm. But if you can learn from them and get over them, um, and 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 at times laugh at them, then not then it's okay. No, and quite, you know, and actually you'll quite you have know, quite quite an enjoyable little life and, and stories to tell your grandchildren. You know, um, I was told off one day from my kids from climbing a tree. You know, because there was a kite stuck in the tree, and I'm I'll just go and climb up it. And I remember, like Andrew shouting, Daddy, come down the tree, you'll fall. And, I'm going... <laughs> and I thought that was quite ironic, actually. Mm. Mm.
0: Absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> Bruce Murdoch, thank you so much for your time and sharing your story with me.
1: It's lovely, it's been fun. Thank you. Fantastic.
0: If you enjoyed this exploration into Bruce's unlived life, Make sure to give this video a thumbs up and subscribe to the YouTube channel for a new episode every Wednesday. Did you learn something from this episode? Let me know in the comments section. I hope you enjoyed watching.